This is Josh. I'm Liwanika. And I'm Glenn. At Tabletop Journeys, we bring more than 75 years of role-playing experience in countless game systems. But Dungeons & Dragons is where we call home. We formed Tabletop Journeys so we could do what we love. Create epic adventures in fantastic lands with amazing people like you. Listen to our podcast to catch our take on using the D&D core rules, homebrew content, and epic player-driven storytelling to make your next role legendary. Also, keep an eye out for Tabletop Journey's original content coming soon to DMs Guild. Welcome to Dads with Nerdy Ambitions, the podcast that brings nerd culture and pop culture together in the 21st century. I'm your host, Steve Pugh, and join with me today, uh, I have two Joshes with me today. Uh, the first Josh is Joshua Heath. Uh, we're going to call him Evil Josh, and he has consented to that name. Uh, <laughs> give you a little heads up about him. He is the Chief Operations Officer of High Level Games, the Administrator of the Inclusive Gaming Network, a co-host producer of Werewolf, the podcast, a retrospective podcast about werewolves, the apocalypse. I was trying to say it in one breath. I can't do it. It's so much. And the GM of two actual play in uh, post uh, retro, sorry, two actual play in post productions, a World of Rage and the Northern Barony. Uh, he is a freelance editor and writer and layout artist with credits from Onyx Path, publishing high level games northumbrian toy soldier and hit point press for which he won the silver any for his work on the big bad booklets he has over a hundred products he helped publish in one form or another and working on a dozen more and i hear he makes one hell of a southwestern omelet uh, does that cover everything josh did i miss <laughs> anything i'm probably sure i'm pretty sure i screwed up something here you covered everything that I sent. There's yes. about a thousand other things that I didn't <laughs> write, but that's okay. Um, and not to be in his shadow, I have another <laughs> co-host from the yeah. Tabletop Journeys. Uh, he got very jealous when I picked him, uh, Lee Wanika over him. So I had to make I sure did, he... I had to make sure I brought him on board. Uh, I have the wonderful, the amazing Josh Newton with me, uh, which we will call not evil Josh. <laughs> not evil Josh, yeah. You know, which, I mean, c compared to uh, compared to evil Josh's resume, there, I you know, I do a podcast to make fart jokes. I mean, that's pretty much. Uh, you know, but, uh, so this is. So you said you needed an expert. So that's why I hooked, that's yeah, why I hooked up with yes. him. That's, yeah, my work like, here is done. When he said, "Hey," I was like, "And and the, I for the listeners, I said, hey, you know, I like to introduce everybody. Can you give me a little info about yourself?" And he goes, "Yeah, sure." Sure. And he sent that over and I go, who? <laughs> um, let and me make fair, myself said, sound cool. That's my short like bio. <laughs> right, right. Um, so yeah, tell Joshua, tell us a little bit about yourself. Evil Josh. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so um, topic of the day, you know, I've been gaming in one form or another for 30 ish years been larping for about 20 years maybe a little bit longer than that now i don't know time is weird but um one of the like big things that i didn't add on the resume uh that i did was run a larp convention where i had lots of different people come and run larp so that might be something that we end up talking about particularly when you get into the different types of larp because there are definitely a lot of different forms of LARP that we had at that uh, event. That's awesome. Um, 
less evil Josh. Yeah. Mr. Newton. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I am uh, one third of the uh, the podcasting trio known as Tabletop Journeys. Uh, we are uh, we're just about to come back from vacation, which we're super pumped about uh, because we uh, we took a month off to go ahead and spend some time with our families. Uh, but we've got everything over on that channel. Uh, we talk a lot of D and D five E and and deep rule dives uh, into D and D five E. But uh, with the uh, with our uh, uh, emergence from vacation here we're going to be getting into a lot of other games here uh we've got some uh, some really cool interviews and some new uh actual play episodes lined up uh with other things that i can't uh, talk about just yet to go ahead and spoil i it, was but, gonna uh, ask uh, uh you know uh but I, I will say that uh if you have any interest in like say uh i don't know the band faith no more and powered by the apocalypse and potentially an rpg based on the real thing uh the album then uh you should be checking out our channel uh you can go www.ttjourneys.com so that's you know awesome they and ladies and gentlemen they are a wonderful wonderful podcast and i can't emphasize that enough they cover things in nerd culture that either a i feel like i'm not qualified to or they do <laughs> it much better than i do uh especially when it comes to the dnd side um i i now I have a question for you. That mm. picture of the Fallout RPG that you posted up—did you do you actually have that? Did you yes. get that early? Yeah, so I pre-ordered it. So I got it a little bit earlier than the rest of the world can. You can anyone should be able to go out and order the book now. I believe. Yes. Yeah. But I got it in the pre-order, so I got the GM stuff as well as the core book and everything, which. I'm holding off. I have two big projects, three big projects that I have to do before I'm letting myself read it. And I keep looking at it going, oh, I want to read you, but I haven't yet. <laughs> I, I saw it and I was like, oh, I didn't even know that was a thing. And I can't let my wife hear this episode. Um, I ordered it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission, right? <laughs> Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> Kickstarter, Kickstarter things don't count. Like those, those oh yeah, right. yeah. No, oh my gosh. That's that's God. That's my you're, right there. You're supporting indie creators. You're not. That's buy, it says right in their terms of service. Yeah. You're not buying any. Absolutely, exactly. I'm supporting them. Um, so obviously, <laughs> uh, the the amount I have to sh I, I've showed her my list. I'm like, hey, when you see stuff come in, like Peterson Games, I I pretty much do all their Kickstarters. I do, yeah. uh, you name it. Uh, the hero quest has one that's coming out and it's supposed to come out the yes, end of this year do. so oh, oh i remember back in that one oh, two three years ago now god um but so obviously you guys aren't nerdy at all whatsoever no. very little nerdy with your your castle gray skull and your josh your nerdy podcast <laughs> so um I mean, just because i'm wearing a D, &D hat and <laughs> are you wearing a D, &D hat oh is it is a d20 so what kind of nerdy things are you and we'll start with evil josh yeah so if there's something nerdy i'm probably into it i've got comic books behind me i play tabletop rpgs i larp i am super into he-man have had all of my he-man figures since i was like two or three and love all of that super excited about the new show i was going to ask I, you about that what your thoughts were on it i loved it uh, i thought it was really really uh, an interesting take i it was too short kevin smith give me more <laughs> but um you know that's my only critique of it really and if there's a nerdy thing i've probably done it. i'm a writer i work uh for the government i can say that uh and i you know do social media management for them 
for the organization I work for. So like, that's pretty nerdy also. So like from the top of the day, when I wake up till the end of the day, when I go to sleep, I'm doing something nerdy in one form or another. Nice. Josh, less evil, Josh, Mr. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. I mean, so I am a huge fan of pretty much role-playing games in all of their capacities. Uh, you know, Josh, uh, e evil Josh and I actually met at a live action role-playing game, you know, 20 something years ago, whatever. Um, but I mean, I am a, a, a huge fan of just role-playing games of every stripe of every caliber of every of every type every book you name it like if you have put out an indie rpg book i have probably at least looked at it if not uh seeing if i can get the the pdf copy or downloaded it uh i i love running games more than anything else too like that's like like everybody else, I kind of got into uh, role-playing games by playing, but I pretty quickly made the jump from uh, from a player to a, to a runner, um, and uh, that's that that's always kind of been uh, been my passion. You know, even like like I said, you know, when uh, when I started getting into the into the LARPing world, you know, LARPing is a totally different type of game than your normal tabletop game in some regards. Uh, but I mean, I was running games probably within within a year of starting LARPing. I was I was already starting to go ahead and run games and start to figure out how those various rule systems start to work together and everything like that uh, you know and then on, on the side i'm a computer programmer so if you want to talk about like nerdy i mean i can i i, I can talk database language with you all day long as, as well you know and the you know, python and all that sort of stuff <laughs> but that really for the most part like you know in terms of scopes in terms of the scope of this uh uh you know definitely uh uh heavy on the role-playing game, heavy on, on homebrewing, uh, what we would call in the tabletop game, uh, world of, of homebrewing campaigns, uh, or in the LARPing world, just kind of running, you know, running a non-canon LARP, you know, sort of thing. Uh, that, that's always, that's always been my passion. That's always been where I've come back to, um, you know, uh, you know, unlike Lou and Nico, who you talked to a couple of weeks ago, I am not the comic book guy. I am not sort <laughs> of, uh, you know, my, uh, my, my, my geek cred does not go, like, I'm not like a, uh, I'm not like a, a like a comic book show kind of guy. Although I I do like some of the comic book shows that are out, like I'm Superman and Lois and stuff like that. But you know, he's like appalled that I'm not watching Titans right now, and I'm like, well, whatever. Eh, I'm not a DC radar. guy. I will say yeah. this: I did watch a uh, Suicide Squad. This uh, the Suicide yep. Squad. Yep. Not bad. Not bad. Yep. I mean, it's it, it'll make my top three for DC movies. Yeah. I definitely have to say Shazam is my number one, uh, mm -hmm. and then Good Aquaman's movie. a solid two. So this would make the third, yeah. but they're moving in the better direction. It's I'm, yeah. I'm not an unpopular opinion, but I'm not a Zack Snyder fan. Yeah, um, I'm so, mostly Marvel guy, but, you know. Yeah. So here's here's like the super big conceit. And we're talking like I feel like I need to like, you know, like sh shadow my face and, and change my voice. I, for the most part, am not really a huge movie or book guy like at all with very few exceptions. I'm really like like I'm not. Uh, like I remember, uh, uh, this was years ago, but, uh, uh, somebody that I was seeing at the time and I got in this big, just big, uh, a multi-year debate about how I didn't like the movie Pulp Fiction. Um, and I had, I had really good reason. No. Okay. Steve, I see your face. Did Reservoir you, Dogs, do you not Reservoir like Do Reservoir Dogs is the superior film. Pulp Fiction was made backwards. Okay. Okay. Like, that's just, Okay. I, I got you. Okay. Now, are you okay. going to tell me you just... don't like The Godfather too? You you also don't like Scarface. I mean, uh, there are always know. exceptions to the rule, right? Yeah, you know, I mean, it's like look, I mean, but you know, like I love the Game of Thrones shows, but I also like three seasons in after the Red Wedding, I was like, no, 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 that, that he's never going to do that to me again. And then read the book. <laughs> for the most part, for the most I part, love not, the Red like, Wedding. I like showing yeah. people. I oh, like getting oh, people yeah, into it is. late in the game. 
And then they're like, oh, yeah. hey, let me know when you get to the red wedding. And then I get that text message of what the yeah. hell? Why would what you the do hell this to that? me? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, totally. Like, I, I literally, like, because I mean, that was what's uh, episode nine of season three. And I was like, George R. R. Martin is never doing that to me again. And I, I bought like all five books and like binged read all five books between seasons three and four to go ahead and make sure that like whatever was going to happen in season four, I had a pretty good indication was going to happen. But so. it wasn't really like it, though. That's the crazy thing. Uh, season really... five really get off the rail. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, season, no. Season four is still pretty close, but um, yeah, but, but I'm really like at the end of the day, like uh, Evil Josh, you were talking about how you like you're a social media manager for the government. I'm very much a nonfiction kind of guy. Like I'm like I, my master's is a very academic master's. It's a, I, I wrote 35 page papers on Beethoven and stuff like that. So, you know, like I'm very much like a nonfiction guy. Like I, I study the craft of writing a lot. I study uh, story craft uh, a lot. Um, you know, I, uh, you know, I mean, I've got probably 35 books of medieval poetry on my bookcase behind me here, you know, because I enjoy sort of analyzing and tearing down uh, the like art, artistic craft. And so while I'm not the guy that's going to sit there and talk about how awesome Suicide Squad is, I can certainly go ahead and say, oh, well, so this is where they're pulling that reference from. And this is why they did that. Uh, and this is, oh, so that, you know, if we're following the narrative flow, if they've done one, two, and three, they're probably going to do four. Yep, there's four right there. You know, so it's like, I'm very analytical with the way that I watch things like that. So that's why uh, Liwanika and I and on, on the podcast, that's why we're really good when we start talking about uh, about shows and, and things like that is because he's got the, the comic book knowledge of how these things have happened. And I can sort of talk about, oh, well, here's the here's the pillar, you know, from ancient Greek literature that they built that on. Uh, and so that that's why that works, you know. So that's wow! Look you at know. you being all regal yeah. over there and bougie. Oh yeah, no, I'm out. super, I'm super elitist and snotty, absolutely. <laughs> Clan venture all the way, absolutely. That's it. You know. <laughs> um, before we get into the LARPing, um, I highly recommend that you both check out uh the episode. Now, obviously, this episode is recorded much before earlier than when it's going to be launched. Uh. But I have an episode coming out this Wednesday, and we sat down with uh, Escapism LLC out here in Southington, mm -hmm. and they talked about escape rooms and yeah. the similarities between designing and the thought process and the TLC that goes into an escape room is so much similar to you being a DM. Like, mm -hmm. And I failed to mention that on the, the episode, and I want to make sure I put that information in here that, the, that gets out to the audience is... It was almost the, the way they look at it about how making the puzzles and the traps and everything. It is step by step, almost exactly the same as you running a homebrew for a D&D campaign. And it I'm was sure, so yeah. cool and crazy to get their perspective. And they're not even really nerdy people. And they're doing the exact same things that you and I would do for designing a homebrew. And it blew my mind on that concept. Because they're like, we're I'll here to, to check help it you out. win. Yeah, yeah. yeah was, I, uh, I've always really enjoyed people. escape rooms. Like escape rooms are a lot of fun. Uh, and I know that we actually just did an episode uh, on puzzles not that long ago. Hmm. Um, uh, in fact, I don't even think it might not even be out yet. But um, uh, how to build puzzles into your game. Oh, you know what it was? We did a, a questions from the audience episode. And somebody asked, how do you incorporate puzzles? And we're like, we could try to give you the two minute answer on this. But really, this is an entire episode. And so we're, we're starting to t figure out how to do that. Because I think that puzzles are one of those things that with the right players, puzzles are amazing. Yep. But that's a bit, you've got to have the right players to go ahead and do it. And escape rooms are all just 
complicated puzzles that you have to go ahead and time, time your way through. So. Absolutely. Exactly. So congratulations. Uh, gentlemen, we've just done a 17-minute tangent. Uh, our, <laughs> our first tangent of the night. There will be many 17 more. 17-minute introductions. Yes. Right. Gotta love it. Yes. Uh, we, I can't even say what we were talking about because we were all over the place there. And, yeah, we, uh, we covered a lot. Bougie, G, uh, bougie Josh over there. So it's, <laughs> that's what, you know, pinkies out, it. Josh. I uh, love it. So we're here talking about LARPing. And so... I, my knowledge of LARPing and which is live action role playing is legitimately limited to what I've done in getting into role playing into some of our D and D games. And back when I was much, much younger doing, uh, I don't even know if they still call it this. That's how long ago it was. It was back when I was like 10. So like 24 years ago, uh, padded weapons is what it was called. So yeah, I don't even buffer, know if it's, yeah, yeah buffer, I don't yeah. even, Boffer, that's what it's called now. Yep. Yep, Back in my day, we called it padded weapons. It was noodles <laughs> on PVC piping. Uh, so, yeah, that, that's my knowledge of it. And so I legitimately reached out to Josh and I'm like, hey, I'm dumb. I don't know anything about LARPing. I've heard you say it a few times. What's up? And he's like, yeah. un momento, por favor. Uh, I know who you need to talk to. <laughs> uh, so let's go ahead and evil Josh, educate us on what LARPing is. Good, sir. Okay. The very basic definition is going to surprise you with how short it is. It's standing up, pretending you're a character, and actively engaging in a story with other people who are act also embodying their characters. That is the very succinct answer we could walk away right now, and people are still <laughs> going to go, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing here. Fair enough. Yeah. And the reason for that is because there's so many different types of live action role playing. There's lots of different ways that you can experience, you embody a character in a LARP. The biggest, most common, the one you're going to see on TV and movies is Buffer LARP, which is a type of LARP where you generally go out for a weekend, you dress in medieval costume or Renaissance fair style costumes. You have uh, padded weapons that you can use to fight monsters. There are modules that are run where your storytellers or your narrators or whatever they're called run you through an event where your characters experience that event, fight some bad guys, come back, eat food together, you know, drink in the tavern and things like that. It is basically D&D, but standing up. That is, I'm in. <laughs> it, it's amazing, but that's just one of the various styles of LARPing. That's the, the, that's the most stereotypical one that, or like, that's the poster child of LARPing. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Uh, what are some of the, uh, so what are some of the other kinds that are out there? I mean, I know we'll get more into that, but like, what are your, your other flavors that you could kind of give a brief answer for? So the next biggest style is parlor LARP, where you are getting together with a group of people and you are embodying characters that uh, inhabit a space generally that space is considered to be like uh, a living room or a city or there's a lot more political and conversation based there are sometimes mechanics for parlor larps depending on the parlor larp you're playing vampire the masquerade and world of darkness those are your most common parlor larps and so boffer larp 
Parlor LARP are kind of like the two big tents. And then there's lots of definitions underneath those. And some things get mixed up. Um, and the question is like, Disney is running an experience now where you can go and do Star Wars for a couple of days for $6,000. Oh my God, I didn't even think about that as a LARP. It they legitimately is LARPers. a LARP. They hired LARPers to help build that. Oh my, I, and by the way, I have told uh, another guy that I have on here all the time, uh, his name's David Perry. Uh, whenever he wants to go do that event, I will totally go do it with him. Um, he can even be the big spoon. I'll share a room. I'm absolutely okay with that. <laughs> I'm, I'm rewriting our budget for next year to include that right now. <laughs> Tax write-off for a podcast? What? Exactly. See, totally <laughs> it's research. I'm a budget. journalist. Exactly. <laughs> Um, I need a media pass. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so, all right. So the, you talk about how people dress up and they immerse themselves as their characters. So in, we'll say let's we'll, for the benefit of this, this podcast episode, to keep these, kind of keep this simple. We'll call it, we'll have the buffers or buffers, sorry, uh, buffer. Yeah. yeah buffer. That's mm -hmm. a fun word. Uh, buffers and parlors. And so we'll kind of keep it to those main tents right there. Um, People dress up. So what's the difference between cosplaying and LARPing then? Josh, you can take this one. <laughs> sure, yeah. So I, so they're definitely, they're sort of two sides of the same coin. I think that the big difference between cosplay and LARPing is that in LARPing, you are, you're not just sort of uh, embodying your character, but you're also embodying your character within a rule set of some variety, right? You are playing with other people as opposed to, as opposed to cosplay, where the experience of go, of doing cosplay is to go out as that character. In LARPing, the experience is to not only go out in your character, but to go out in your character with other people and and do a thing right so like let, let's go ahead and take a kind of a crazy example that like one of these like bridge categories let's say that uh four of your friends or that that that, that three or four of your friends all dressed up like the ghostbusters and went to gen con as the ghostbusters right there are people that would look at that and say, oh, they're cosplaying as the Ghostbusters. And there are people that are looking at that saying, nope, they're LARPing as the Ghostbusters because they are going out, they're playing a game together. They're having a shared experience in costume as the, in the same, they're having the same shared experience, I guess, if, 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 it, if that could, you know, when people go out uh, and they dress like Sailor Moon, right? And they, they, they dress as the entire Sailor Moon team, right? The difference between whether they're cosplaying or they're LARPing is, are they just going out in the costumes or are they actually doing a thing? Are they pretending to be Sailor Moon together for a purpose? I guess maybe that's that's the thing, is that LARPing, LARPing has some sort of a purpose, right? LARPing, as, as opposed to just kind of being in costume, LARPing also has some sort of a purpose behind it or a goal or, or uh, something like that. Let me ask you this. What's the fascination behind LARPing? Why is it such a thing? Why is there, why do we have buffer and why do we have parlor? Why do we have, like, I, I'm looking at my RPGs that I have over here now. I'm looking at my Call of Cthulhu and I'm like, well, that could possibly be LARPing. Uh, what is defined, you know, you know, why are these things so popular? What makes them so special? They're special, they're popular because you embody your character physically, which creates a different level of immersion. At the table, you have a lot of table talk where 
you're joking about the dice or you're talking about the Cheetos or you're making jokes about Mountain Dew, those things are just built into your experience at a tabletop. At a LARP, generally, you are trying throughout the entire process to be in character and to embody your character and to have that sort of uh, emotional and social interaction as much in character as you can possibly get. For some people, there are some LARPers that go really deep and they want to play a LARP that is like super emotional so that they can experience sadness and fear and all of these different things. There's a, a vampire LARP that is fully in character for a whole weekend where you get blood thrown on your on you and you like people are in full makeup costume and things like that. And like those experiences, just being able to fully embody that for a period of time. You can't do that at tabletop. All right. Um, yeah. So I was gonna I was gonna talk. I've mentioned this on a bunch of other shows before too. About uh, there's a role playing game called uh, Their Radios Are Dying, which is it's a role playing game for two people where they they are basically in like wheelie chairs wheeling around an open space as two astronauts in their last out. They have you know they've kind of like run out of resources. They're running out of oxygen. They have one more hour. Uh, before their before the batteries in their radios die and they basically are left in total isolation for the remaining part of their lives right and so they are sort of embodying this physical space there's no costumes i suppose there could be costumes but they're sort of embodying this physical space uh and it is it's built as a role-playing game uh and they're sort of like question prompts to guide how these two people should talk to each other um, or how they should converse with one another kind of thing. Um, but it's also, it's got this physical component to it. And I think that, I think, uh, Josh, you're exactly right, that that's kind of, that was always the big appeal of LARPing to me is that that embodiment of the physical space, taking away from, I'm not sitting in a chair behind a table, I am, I'm starting to, to embody the space around me. Even if I'm, if I'm taking, you know, what is my, what is my office and making it, uh, you know, instead of my office in my house, it's an office on the 15th floor of my office building, you know, kind of thing where I, where I bring people up to intimidate them and, you know, stuff like that. So even if I'm sort of morphing my physical space into something else in game, the embodiment of the physical space is the big appeal of LARPing over like a regular tabletop role playing game. So, so let me ask you guys this, uh, and because again, when you were talking about, and I was going to ask this before you started mentioning the whole blood thing, um, from a, almost a stigmatism that I, I, I want to kind of gracefully and gently approach is the escapism that comes with this LARPing. How, how easy is it for people to lose touch with reality and how do you fight that? Like, it, it seems like the, the, the stigmatism that people typically take with D&D, it almost seems like that's much, very much a thing that happens in LARPing. Um, and how does one prevent that from happening? And how does one approach that? Yeah, there are lots of different things. There are a lot of what are called safety tools mm. that are built into a lot of LARPs these days. Not in the old days. Josh and I, I think both I have horror stories that we could tell about why did why don't we why didn't we create these safety tools years ago right right but the idea of safety tools is to do a couple of different things one there's this concept of bleed where you have emotional transference between your character and yourself where you are scared for example if your character is scared actually scared and then you need to like step out or something 
there are lots of different methods utilized to make sure that players are okay, that the role play is okay, that people are safe, and that you aren't taking it too far in one form or another. There are lots of different mechanics for that. There's one thing called an okay check-in where you literally flash an okay symbol, which is an issue now because some other people use the okay symbol for their own issues. Mm -hmm. But right. using that as was a quick way of going, are you okay? And you can do that while staying in character, but having that momentary sense of I'm out of character to make sure you're okay. Okay, awesome. Um, by the way, your mic does yeah. sound a lot better. Whatever okay, cool. you did. Good. Um, yeah. So, right. yeah. What's your take on that, Josh? Yeah, uh, I I think that uh, that Dark Josh is absolutely right. Not not Dark. <laughs> Evil Josh is absolutely right. That uh, that man. When we when we were larping in the mid '90s, uh, we probably should have used a lot more kind of safety controls than we did. I mean, things like um, having uh, having LARPs in public, right? It, and not just in sort, not like even like in a convention, which is sort of a, uh, like a more welcoming public, but I mean like actually having like LARPs in the bar district in the city where we lived at the time um, and some very, very serious incidents that happened or, or like, some that nearly happened and some that were that did happen and uh that that put a kibosh on that uh because it, it absolutely was not safe because you had people playing a game people playing a persona i mean think about some of the, the personas that you've played in dungeons and dragons or anything like that and now take that take that type of persona and put it into a bar with a hundred of other hundred other people who are drinking and not playing the game right but even even like when you talk about like Vampire the Masquerade, it's not like Dungeons and Dragons where like, oh, I'm a knight with a sword. Think like Shadowrun, right? Where like, you know, you're you're dressing somewhat modern, you kind of blending into the to the bar at that point, and a hundred other people don't know that you're playing a game, but you're playing a very particular type of character. Uh, it is it's it's kind of a recipe for disaster. And so uh, that is one big thing that uh, that we really should have been more cognizant of at the time. And I think time has kind of uh, has made us all a little bit wiser kind of in that regard that you've got to make sure that games like this are played uh, in a safe space. Absolutely. You know, it, and it, it sounds like, especially where you guys have been involved and the knowledge behind it have taken that knowledge and going, okay, we need to set up these spaces. We need to be like, talk to the bars and be like, Hey, we're going to be this area you know, this is what we're doing. It seems like you, that's, that's somewhat of a thing. And that's, that's good to know, especially for people who've never gotten into it. So, because that would be my concern is like, okay, I'm playing vampire, the masquerade, and we're going out into a park out in, at midnight, you know, bad things can happen. What, totally. what is our, you know? Oh yeah. I mean, th th think about it. Like, you know, if, like, if you and I are playing right. And, and uh, you're playing a mortal and I'm playing a vampire and in game, I'm supposed to attack you in a public space <laughs> yeah that's, no that's no bueno and so like honestly like the the shift from playing it in public spaces to playing them in isolated spaces where the only people there were the people playing the game uh it, it didn't take long for people to realize that playing in like in like deep public was a was a bad idea yeah and that's good that and you've made the safe space that because this this stuff does sound fun and i don't want to scare people away from it because what you have here does seem very fun and the fact that your guys faces light up talking about it you know that's that's awesome um so we kind of touched on this a little earlier but i, I want to delve a little bit more uh like i said we you have your two major 
tents for LARPing. Uh, what are the, some of the other types that are out there? Okay. So I'm going to try and hit some of the major ones. Okay. There. Yeah. Hit your tops. Okay. So there's Blockbuster LARP, which is usually high ticket, where you are spending a lot of money. You get to go usually to a specific location. Your entire experience is designed for you by the creators. There's usually smaller groups, 20 to 40 people at most, sometimes 100, but really focused story. But again, Blockbuster because it's expensive and because you're getting an experience built into everything. Then you've got, and these things kind of like sit near each other too. So I'm talking about lots of different things that sometimes they're actually like right close to each other. But then there's mm -hmm. Nordic LARP. Nordic and American Freeform LARP are both very similar, but also different in that they approach LARP from the idea of what experience do we want to create? There aren't a lot of what we would call mechanics. You know, in D&D, you roll dice to do an action. In most freeform LARPs, there's negotiated play through conversation, where you might build in conversation triggers. Like I could say, my Aunt Mary said X, Y, and Z. And that is a, a trigger in the mechanics for an, a, a thing to happen in play. And then that's discussed beforehand uh, and then kind of built into the story. So you've got those in the freeform space, Nordic and American freeform kind of play there. You've got what I would call the traditional parlor LARP, which is your World of Darkness, Vampire the Masquerade, mechanics heavy games. These have roll, uh, rock, paper, scissors, or some other form of mechanic that you utilize to determine who wins some form of contest, whether that's a, a, a magic power that you as a vampire are using, or it's a, a conversation where you're like, my character is much more charismatic than I am. I want you to be impressed with me right now. So we're going to play rock, paper, scissors and use some other mechanics to do that. And then you've got, of course, Boffer LARP, and Boffer LARP has a bunch of different layers to it. You've got Blockbuster Boffer LARPs, and then you've got other Boffer LARPs as well, sometimes with more advanced weaponry, more advanced like armor. Some people say the Society for Creative Acronism is a LARP. That is, <laughs> yeah. a, that is a fight. Don't get into that fight. Uh, no, and as, as a member of the SCA, I can tell you that that discussion happens quite a bit, and uh, you don't want to... That, that's a third rail. Stay away from that one. Yep. <laughs> But uh, that's like a real brief overview. And I'm sure like I could drill down. Oh, there are like um, what I'll call micro LARPs, which Josh was mentioning before that like two person uh, astronaut sort of game. There's lots of games like that where there's like you have four or five people and you're like experiencing this sort of thing and you have really specific rules. Those are a special type of LARP as well. The, the thing that sort of ties them all together is that whole aspect of like improvisational theater, right? Where you're adopting a persona of some sort, even if that persona is just you, right? Um, you're adopting a persona of some sort and interacting with other people also adopting a persona. So. Yep. And you can even do that online. I have a friend who's a pioneer in live action online role-playing yeah. and she has designed LARPs using zoom and other things as the entire structure of it. One of them was called Chariot, where we were people from all around the world that were going to end up on a spaceship, living together on a spaceship. And we were talking through Zoom as if we were our characters getting prepared to go onto the spaceship together. I was about to ask you that. How's the pandemic affected LARPing? 
you know, because that's with everything, with every hobby and nerd fandom, we've had to see it evolve in some way to not that these things were going to go extinct. Like D&D is never going to go anywhere. I highly doubt LARPing is going to go anywhere, but it's these are things that people are passionate about. How does one of these evolve in this time? And luckily, we have the technology, I feel, that we do now, um, you know, during a pandemic. Um, so Zoom calls, that's awesome. That that's somebody has definitely taken that initiative that was passionate enough about that. Um, yeah. Is there anything else that I, I mean, I know I just answered my own question, but was there anything like else like you guys could add to that? Well, I mean, I, th I think that LARPing in general was probably better suited to make the digital jump than a lot of tabletop role-playing games. Because one thing, one of the big differences that I always found in LARPs versus tabletop games is the amount of stuff that happens in between a game session in a LARP. Like, uh, that's just, that's just for some reason seems to be a characteristic of it that's like baked into the cake. That, you know, yeah, we play once a month on the third Saturday of the month, but every other day, if I need to talk to your character, it was not unusual for me to like, you know, you know, ping somebody on icq and say hey i need to go ahead and ask nikolai a question you know and they're like oh Nikolai's not available they're in siberia right now it's like oh okay well, when do they get back from siberia you know that kind of thing right okay. and so like there's a lot of sort of there's a lot of playing that happens away from the individual session um and the sessions are still super dynamic and this but a, a lot of it is just like player to player like it's not like you know, it's not like, you know, if I need to talk to Nikolai, I'm going to be like, okay, I need a storyteller to come in so that Nikolai and I can talk. Um, no, but it's very much just like player to player. And so I think that, um, you know, play by post games or using Zoom and stuff like that, I think that that LARPs are, were always kind of better suited uh, to make that jump more, more immediately uh, if they hadn't already done that. Like, I would be willing to bet that for the last three or four years with things like zoom and skype and things like that larpers were probably already using that stuff to go ahead and have in between game conversations and so when they couldn't meet in person it really wasn't that big a deal but probably what you what you saw less of were you know 40 or 50 person games happening on zoom but you still had a lot of that player to player combination or even storytellers pulling in like all right you three people i need to i need you three i need your characters so let's pop on a zoom call we're going to be there for about an hour on friday night at six o'clock we need to go ahead and do a thing so it it probably broke it apart a little bit broke apart the big sessions a little bit but i think that larping in general is probably really really well positioned to uh to make that jump nice yep um now disney experience aside what is the how much does it cost to get into larping it really depends <laughs> on the LARP. Yeah. yeah exactly because <laughs> you can you can literally spend two dollars to buy a larp on uh itchio which mm. is like the place that most people buy would buy like in indie larps and do an indie larp with your spouse and that is a thing you could do for basically nothing mm. or a blockbuster LARP could cost you two to $3,000 because you are probably buying a costume. You're buying a plane ticket to get to wherever it is. You are paying for the food and all of the things and the experience. Now, have you guys heard about the, uh, there's a park in Utah and they do uh, each season. They have a different uh, it's, it's completely immersive. It, it is LARPing at with the, the exception of Disney's thing will, at its finest um i just recently found out about that and it 
just I literally just clicked my head. Um, are you familiar with it at all? That yeah, I, I am familiar. I don't know if you are, Josh. Yeah, no, that one I'm not familiar with, but like it wasn't even all that long ago that there was a LARP that took place on the QE2 every year. And basically an entire game would book passage on a cruise and the entirety of the cruise was a, a LARP session and they would do it Shut every up. year. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So it's like when, 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 when Evil Josh is talking about, about, blockbuster LARPs like that um like there's there's a big one that uh folks up here in the northeast they go down to baltimore every year for one um that that was running like i said up until probably about two years ago i like every year at the same time you know probably 20 of my friends on facebook were like okay we're going to baltimore we got the thing you know it's like a big camarilla thing i think in baltimore you know so it's like like these are they it, it is not uh they're, they're pretty common like that's not like, this is a there is a niche yeah. This is yeah. not a small fandom. There is yeah. a lot of people out there that do this. That's cool. Yeah. That's that's and, neat. And that was always that was always one of the things that I, I, again we're talking about kind of like differences between LARPing and tabletop because I mean that's very much my my domain, right? Um, that was one thing that always stuck out to me is that in a tabletop role playing game, there's really not an expectation that players will pay their DM for running that session, right? That's that's not like if you sat down at a table and the DM said, "Okay, uh, that'll be ten bucks," like. What are you talking about? That's 10 bucks. I've got my character. I've got my dice. Like, let's play. Like, what are you talking about? Um, however, running a LARP, uh, which I which I, I don't know is really... I'm trying not to say something that I'm going to regret later, but I don't think that running a LARP session is that much different than running a tabletop session in terms of the amount of preparation that it takes. Sure. Um, but maybe that's because I take I do a lot of preparation in my tabletop games too. So it's like, you know, it's like my game, my next game's in three weeks and I'm already starting to 3D print figs and get painting, you know? So... Uh, but it was also it was very much like if i'm going to a larp i should expect to have to pay to play like i'm gonna like you know there there is an entrance fee and that's because again i think it's because of the physical space issue right right it's like you've got to worry about renting physical space storytellers are expected to provide character sheets for you they are expected to go ahead and provide this this overhead for you right so like the the just the the culture of expectation i think between larping and tabletop is just different enough that if you're going to a LARP, paying to get in is the norm versus a tabletop game where it's where it's not necessarily. And in fact, to the point that not to completely diverge, but to the fact that like paid DMs who run tabletop games for money are sort of like looked at in the tabletop space, like really? That's you're gonna do that? That that's that's what you're gonna do? You know? So like, more I am too. a I paid wish I could, DM. I, wish I could do it. Yeah, like so... I wish I could. Like that's you know. But like, so I'm sure you've heard it though. Like I'm sure like yeah. people have said like, hey, really, you're charging to play Dungeons and Dragons? Like like it's like like somehow you're doing something wrong. But in the LARPing community, that would not even be. It, it that's the norm. Like yep. so. it's the experience you provide. And if you're probably providing a quality experience and I can totally justify that with a, as a DM, uh, I mean, for D and D case in point, uh, I have warlock tiles. Those are not cheap things. And if I'm providing all that and I'm setting up and it takes hours to set up that experience. And unfortunately for the most part that you have to play that as a, you know, you're running through and not trying to let them explore too much keeping them in line, making sure you're doing that's a lot of work. That's no yeah. joke. So yeah. I can, yeah, I, I'm not trying to encourage like, Hey, everybody go start charging everybody. But yeah, I can totally understand that yeah. and justify that by any means. Uh, yep. Even if you're like saying, Josh, the, your 3d printing characters are like, Hey, I'm going to provide you your character. Um, oh, yeah. 
here you go. You know, yeah. that's, that's part of my service fee. Yeah. That I mean, paid I, DM I thing is a whole that. conversation. I think yeah, that, yeah, like, that could be a whole other podcast. Oh, I believe it. Uh, yeah, no, that's, yeah. that's actually going to be a thing. I, I call yeah. dibs, Josh. I'm just letting you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, uh, I like Glenn for that one. He's the only other host you haven't had on now. It's yeah. Right. Um, so talking about our, the fees and costs and everything, how does one get started in LARPing? What's the so, best way? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Right now, it's going to be hard. I'll be honest. Like getting into LARP right now with with COVID happening, we got to mm. be honest. That's harder. Yeah. That said, um, back in the early two thousands, when I was starting to run my games, my average starting investment of money when I was running a game was three hundred dollars, because I was buying a new printer every time because you had to because you're going to destroy that thing. Mm. Buying paper, buying ink, buying costumes renting space so you're trying to recoup that money like that's a thing but it depends on the larp too how much money you need to invest like you can go to an average boffer larp for 40 dollars for the whole weekend and it's not usually run as a not-for-profit thing the game runners don't make a profit they usually invest their own money to make it happen and the people at the event usually do some sort of like uh, some sort of labor exchange to make it all work. And there's, that's a whole conversation too, but it can be pretty easy to get into that type of LARP if you're willing to do it for a pretty low investment. It's when you get into costuming and yeah. weaponry and all of that stuff that it, the price can go crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, go ahead. I'll let you no, I was going to say, I mean, it's when, uh, you know, when I was back, a, when I was a poor college student, like I said, I, I, I played, in vampire LARPs, I played venture all the freaking time. And so, you know, who are your venture, your venture or your, your upper class, your businessmen, stuff like that. Um, I was like best friends with the people at my local goodwill, because it's like, anytime that a suit came in, that it was in a 42 regular, it's mine. Like that's, I'm, I'm, I'm let me know. I'll come in and I'll grab it. I'll pay the 10 bucks for the suit, um, you know, and buy a tie to go along with it and that kind of thing, because to go ahead and look the part, because when you're playing a character that, that inhabits that physical space, it, it, carries with it that overhead to make sure that you're that you're also in the physical space right like i can't like wear like a, a t-shirt and ratty jeans and pull off the type of character that i'm saying that i am and so they're very much you know the look makes the character on some level so uh where would i wrote like a whole article about that yeah did you i did way back when when i was yeah well i'm actually i'll have to see if i can dig it up but i, I wrote a whole thing about how you know, like how to successfully play your venture right you know <laughs> yeah. that's awesome yeah. um so all right let's say i'm a newbie and i've got my my costume and i want to i want to go do some type of larping whether it's parlor or boffer uh where do i go to find larping at or where it's you know where is it so I think definitely Facebook is going to be one of your best friends or, or any sort of social media because you'll at least be able to get into uh, into groups of people that are doing the same thing. Uh, I think the difficulty in something like that is trying to find locality, right? And so you'll be able to get into groups and say, okay, this is like a, a – this will probably help you find an online game, uh, online LARPing or, or something – play by post or, or something like that. But to get into the physical space, like so many other games, I've got to think that your local game shop is going to be your best friend because they, 
you know, I mean, it used to be that we would that we would do LARPs in, in GameStop, so they might be running one locally for one, but I can guarantee that if you went to your local game shop and said, I want to get into live action role playing, where do I go? If they don't do it right there, if they don't have somebody on staff that's running one, they're going to know the person to talk to, 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 to connect you with. And there is nothing as a, as a LARP storyteller that made my heart sing more than when I would get that call from the game shop, say, hey, we've got, a, we've got somebody that just walked in. Uh, they just bought like five third edition Mind's Eye Theater books, um, and they want to play you know, when is your next game? I'm like, oh man, you know, so there's a there's a game that runs every weekend. Tell them to show up on a Saturday, go to the local college, go to this room, come in, and we will help them make a character. We will help them we will help we will put them with people to help them play and everything like that. So is there you know, is there signs that to like that I should be looking for that are a positive that like, hey, I know I'm going to have a good time going into this LARP. Um oof. Without, I mean, that that's the thing is that. So like you're basically, yeah. basically that what triggered that question is me thinking you're talking about like, hey, we're going to set them up with a new group. You're very energetic and excited. Um, those are things I should be looking forward for to like, hey, they're going to help me out here. They're going to set up the rules and regulations. We're not looking for, you know, are, should I be worried about rule lawyers? You know how you, you do have those kind of DMs. Yeah. Um, so. And, and you are absolutely going to get rule lawyers in LARP and probably more uh, more lawyery in LARP than, than you will find in tabletop, just from my own personal experience, right? Um, and I think that, so in that kind of excited spiel that I just rattled off there, there are a couple of things that if you are a newcomer coming to a game that that are signs that you're going to that they're going that the the staff is trying to put you in in success, right? For one, they're going to help you make your character, right? So it's not like a tabletop game where, you know, I'm playing uh, I'm playing my 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 fathomless patron warlock, um, and that's who I am. And any storyteller will be able to take that fathomless warlock and put them in a team, uh, it, put them in a group, and say, okay, we're going to play, and you play your character, and everything will be great. With LARP you're going to want to make sure that your character is integrated into what's going on, right? That's, I think, much more important. And again, it has to do with with the fact that your character is is inhabiting that space. You want to make sure that there is, that there's a little Nikolai-shaped cubby for you to put Nikolai in and be in the game. Because otherwise you're going to sit in the out-of-game area and be bored the entire time. Like, that's that's really... That's one thing that you're going to want to watch out for. So always, if you're coming to a game for the first time, especially people that you don't know or players that you don't know, get with the staff, have them help you make a character. That And any staff that's not willing to do that is, I'll, I'll say it, not the right staff right for you, right? It's yep. just not. And there are games that are like that where it's like, nope, we run a pretty tight game. You know, we're a really lean staff or we're very specific, like, these roles are very specifically cast. Maybe this isn't the game for you. And that's like any other game, like that's sometimes just the way that it happens, right? The other thing that I said there is not only are the staff going to help you make a character, but they're going to take you and put you with other people. You know, again, think about how the fact that your character is inhabiting that space. Inhabiting that space with other people is going to give you people to talk to. It's going to give you situations to run into. It's going to give you scenarios to, it's going to give you scenarios to belong to, right? It's going to give you people to interact with. In LARP, sometimes that's the tough part, right? Because, you know, Evil Josh, you made allusion to it earlier. It's like, like my character is more charismatic than I am. 
right? And so that's well and good at a at a tabletop because like again, there's this whole there's a lot more out of game stuff happening, right? At a D and D table, because like I'm rolling dice, my character does this, my character does that, my character. But LARP is all I do this, I do that, and so if you are not charismatic, if you are not someone that will walk up to a bunch of strangers and say, "Hey, I want to go do a thing with you," then getting integrated into a pre-existing group of people is the best way to make sure that you have a positive experience. So I mean, it can be daunting. Definitely. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Especially. Yeah. So let me like leapfrog off that to touch on a couple of things. Cause Josh is absolutely right about every piece of that. One thing to consider is the type of LARP you are getting into. And by type in this case, I'm talking about genre more than I am anything else. If you're getting involved in a short run horror game, a game that's designed to run for one session over one day, most of the time your storytellers are going to create pre-generated characters or write them for you. Not that they're going to say this is everything for you, but they're going to talk to you and say, hey, Steve, what type of things are you interested? Like here are five prompts for things that I need to know about you that you would find fun. Okay, cool. Here's your sheet. And here are five people you are connected with before this game. You, we're going to give you emails or uh, a Discord chat or a Facebook group or something like that. So you can create ties or connections with each other. So you have this like relationship built ahead of time. A lot of short-term games do that. Longer-term games like organizational play games, which are what most World of Darkness games are these days, have a lot of history that you have to build on. And then you have to build your character with your storyteller and then connect to the rest of the world. And then you can talk to other people and be like, Hey, Josh, we haven't played in the Camarilla for, you know, forever together, but, you know, we're still friends. And now our characters can be connected because you're my sire or you're my sire sire or something like that. That sort of relationship building is super essential. Sorry, before we go too far off, off on that rail, uh, did you explain what an organization game is earlier, Josh? I did not. That is cool. a good point. Yeah. 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 All right. So before we go too far off of that question, I just want to clarify one thing. When when Evil Josh talks about what an organization game is, think about and again, I'm I'm, I'm going to use Dungeons and Dragons as an analog because uh, again, it's it's just easier. So imagine, so you've got your party of six people, right? Um, but imagine that you could take one. Imagine you are playing a wizard uh, who is a member of a particular college and studied at a particular place, right? That particular place also has a game that is that that has other wizards going to that place. You could take your character, go to that other game, and and play. Say, I am, you know, I'm I'm Sir Malachi. I went to school here 15 years ago, um, and that character can seamlessly seamlessly go in. These nationwide organizations, and there are a couple of them now. There's there's the Camarillo, which is which is a big one. Um, there's uh, Camarillo is now called Mind's Eye Society. It's not even Mind's called Eyes. Mind's Eye Society anymore. It's just MES, which MES, stands for yeah. something else. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And then there was um uh something by night. There was something one world by night. One world by night. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, and these are organization games, so they are a nationwide or maybe even international wide register of characters. So you submit a character to the organization, and then you can take that character, somewhat like eventually, Adventurously, honestly, you can then take that character and go to any other game that is run by that organization. And there are like 
local level plots, there are regional level plots, there are like super regional level plots, and then there are like organization level plots that your character can be involved in. So let's say that I'm playing in a, in a, a One World by Night game up here in Maine, but I'm going to be in Baltimore for the weekend. I could look to see if there's a game running in Baltimore that weekend and pop into that game with my character. And depending on who my character is and everything like that, people in Baltimore would be like, oh, that guy's coming. Okay, cool. Or not cool. You know, whatever. Um, but that's what the, the organization is kind of this superstructure uh, that exists over just kind of like your local game. So Wow. Hey, that's yeah. very larping and no other way to put it about it yeah it's very larping that's true wow it used to be possible to play a larp almost every day of the week if you were willing to travel for it yeah like it larp larp has gone i'm not gonna say downhill but participation has dwindled a little bit (laughs) right but it is still possible to larp every weekend if you wanted to like non-covid times easily that's that's cool that's really neat um yeah i you know i think this is a a great spot to kind of wrap it up so i I guess my last question for you guys is i'll I'll let you choose between your best larping experience or the funniest larping experience could you guys have one of those that is so hard wow that's really hard. That's the um, question that breaks you guys. <laughs> because, well, like any great. What was one of your most memorable? Game. How about that? What was one of your most memorable LARPing experience? That one's going to kill you too? No, no. I mean, I can, I can, I mean, so, because so many of my like memorable experiences come from, from, again, from the storytelling side of things, right? And so, because I, I have been a storyteller in LARPs way more than I've been a player, right? Um, but, uh, I think probably one of the actually no I know what it is. Uh, there was a uh, there was a LARP that I was so it was a multi genre LARP. It was multi genre Mind's Eye Theater. So it wasn't like strictly vampire. It was vampire, werewolf, mortal, pretty much everything along the board, right? Um, but uh, what we didn't know is that the premise or the conceit of the game is that it was a television show, a la The Prisoner, right? that that was that's what the game was everybody that was in the game was like it was a character in this tv show nobody knew that until the very end of the game like the like last thing that happened we all were like oh yeah no they were we were basically found out that it was a tv show right (laughs) characters on it right and so you were wandavision before wandavision was wandavision i was wandavision before wandavision was wandavision right but it goes it gets stranger because uh in a fit of peak I like the game is coming. It was like nine o'clock on Friday night. The game starts at like like five o'clock on Saturday afternoon. I couldn't come up with a character. Couldn't come up with a character. So I'm like, you know what? I am going to take me and put myself into. I'm going to convert my, you know me real world Josh to a character in the Mind's Eye Theater system, and I'm just I'm, that's the character I'm going to play. Um, and so every time that. Uh, Anytime that like I was referenced, I was always referenced as Josh Newton as himself, and like and nope, like I was like, oh, isn't that funny, right? Like they're just like, look, they're just like they're picking up on the joke, isn't that ha 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 funny? And then realized at the end when it was like, oh no, this is a TV show. Of course they would list me as Josh Newton as himself, right? (laughs) Because that's how I would have been billed in the credits on that TV show. That's cool. That's neat. I like that. Um. 
but yeah, uh, that's uh, picking one. That's like just ask me to name my favorite child or my you know my my favorite beer or something like that's you know that's easier. So <laughs> beer probably favorite child. I, I I can't say that one. No, I well, don't I have a. One, so I, I think I can get. <laughs> oh, you. <laughs> I got twins and then I got a 10 year old. So the 10 year old, he's kind of out the door right now because he's going through that like preteen stage. So that's always a blast. Mine just turned 20. It doesn't get better. (laughs) We digress. Yes. All right. So you've given me some time to think. And that said, I still have two. Sorry. I can't do one. Go for it. No. The, The first one is I ran a back in the day. I ran a Wild West LARP mm-hmm. and we had 150 plus players and yeah. the, wow. the opportunity at the game sadly exploded. But before that, the opportunity to see so many people invested in your game was dazzling and amazing and something that I will never forget. Like there were people just so heavily excited and invested in the idea so that's one the second is similar like sort of thing but i ran a larp convention in atlantic city in an old uh hotel that was that should have been condemned because it had an entire like uh infestation of mold in it on one side of the hotel (laughs) but we got to larp in something um, in in this room that was built like a speakeasy, and there are only like a, like six of these designed places in the world. Um, some of them, one of them in Las Vegas, one of them in Atlantic City, uh, one of them in London, and they're all these like specifically designed spaces that are supposed to like all be like the speakeasy from the twenties. And we got to LARP in that space, and getting the opportunity to just be in a space like that in character was, was amazing. Uh, we ended up like, I ended up being in the red for that convention, but it was such an awesome experience to be able to be like, this is a place that the foundation room, that was the like name of the space. This is a space that only a couple of thousand people until we had gotten the right to use it had ever been in because it is an exclusive club. That's cool. And we got the opportunity to LARP in it. And I was like, this will always be on my bucket list of cool things. That's that's kind of the power of storytelling, honestly, is that when you get to go ahead and orchestrate something like this, it has got a power unto its own, especially when you get something that large. I mean, I remember, God, this is probably 15 years ago, um, myself and some friends of mine, we were running uh, another one of the Mind's Eye Theater systems, but it was Hunter the Reckoning, which was a fabulously broken system that had no right ever actually being played um, just because the rules were just totally wackadoodle. They really were. Um, but that game, that it was, it was a short run game too. It was only like two or three years, two or three, se- two or three seasons. Um, but it kind of had this magic to it. There was something about that game that was really, really good. Like to the point that probably five years after it ended, one of the storytellers from that game started running a werewolf game and is like, I can't imagine running this werewolf game without the same staff that ran this other game. Please come with me. 
Um, and that werewolf game was amazing too. And so sometimes it's just about having the right staff and the right the right people doing the right things um, to to kind of pull that game together and really make it make it something magical. To be able to kind of transcend that that uh, that feeling that you're playing a game that you're really actually the character that you're or the persona that you're playing. You know, it's it's. There's something about LARPing. There really is. Um, and it, it really, it, it can have a magic to its own. And sometimes those characters like stick with you so long that like oh, yeah. you have an opportunity to write them into the official world and you take that opportunity. I have immortalized one, my, my Dark Ages character from Dark Carpathia, who oh. was a completely horrible character but it was full of horrible characters yes but i got the opportunity years later to immortalize him in actual like world of darkness that's stuff. cool that's, that's very cool so like that that is the type of thing when you're like larp has this effect that like 20 some odd years later i remember that and i'm like i am going to do this because this matters to me that's awesome i mean i have D characters because that's the only thing i come close to that i'm like even in campaigns now I will bring them in like they might be sitting in a tavern yep. and they might be somebody that can hire that can be hired. They might just be sitting there. Hey, talking to mission or just sitting there chit chatting. I will try to always bring back, especially characters that were very dear to my heart. Like yep. I have, you know, some amazing characters that I just absolutely love using yep. and I will forever be in my stories because yep. they had that such, I had such a, a joy with them. So if you think that LARPing might be something that you would enjoy, I'm going to give you some yes. advice, right? One one thing, right? Next time you're playing Dungeons & Dragons, put on a costume. And just go to your Dungeons & Dragons game and in your costume. And it, it will add that level of immersion, that level of embodiment um, that just makes it different. It really will. I, I promise you. Like LARPing honestly has informed both my tabletop storytelling style and my, my tabletop playing style so much like i i look back to kind of like my pre larp time and realize like i i knew nothing john snow like i was like <laughs> you know like it was really um and, and josh you're absolutely right like characters from like you know i can still remember like um uh i was playing in like an ultramere game and the uh the the Tremere, the, the regent of the Chantry was uh, was a good friend of mine, but his character, he, he didn't have a tongue, and so he couldn't speak. And so he used telepathy to go ahead and speak through somebody else. Um, and the way that they pulled that off I, I don't know how they I don't know how they actually did it. I really don't because James never said a thing. The other person's always said it. And that was just the way that that's the just the way that they did that. And it just worked. It just worked. There was something about it that both characters were totally satisfied with the way that that experience ran, you know, um, and there's no way that they could have actually known. There's no way that I don't remember who played his second, but there's no way that they could have known what James actually wanted to go ahead and say. Uh, and there's no way that James could have predicted what their second was going to say, but their rapport was so tight because, again, we keep going back to the embodiment of the space. They had embodied those characters so much, and there was so much trust between them that they had no fear that player two was going to go all wackadoodle off the rails, and that player one couldn't trust what they were, you know, uh, what they were going to go ahead and say. And 
I've never had an experience like that at table to, uh, in, in a tabletop game. I just haven't. Like, it's just, it's just so different. I've had epic experiences, don't get me wrong, but inevitably the epic experiences that I've had at tabletop have been the super heavy role-playing experiences, which were so heavily informed from even just like standing up from the table and talking to another player as a person talking to a person, as opposed to a sheet talking to a sheet, you know? Um, that's something that I picked up from LARPing and it's absolutely, uh, it's, it's, it's a thing. <laughs> like capital awesome. B, capital H, yeah. yeah. That is very awesome. So let's go ahead and let's uh, let's wrap this up here, gentlemen. Um, let's go ahead and uh, any final thoughts besides, uh, honestly, that was a really great final thought. <laughs> I'm not even going to lie. Uh, but did you guys have anything else you wanted to add before we wrap this up and we do the shameless plugs? I can't beat that. So that, no. <laughs> <laughs> he said the bar really high. Yes. I was like, yeah. Uh, yeah. No, uh, that was, that was that's, a really great way. Cause I mean, Josh, I've got so much respect for like the things that like the things that you've put out there and the things that you've done, uh, are, are like every, like every like role-playing LARPing storytellers dream to like actually be able to like get their name in the book. So, uh, that's a, that's a cool compliment. Thank you. Yeah. That's you. And you do have one hell of a, uh, little bio <laughs> there. <laughs> uh, that's yeah. No. So evil Josh, Mr. Heath, where can people find you and all your works? What Where's the best way that they can start stalking you? Yeah. So the first thing I'm going to tell people to do is go listen to Werewolf the Podcast. If you are familiar with Werewolf the Apocalypse, the RPG, it is a awesome podcast where I have retrospectively looked at all the books and said, wow, White Wolf was really bad in this era. <laughs> but... It is very, very useful for it to, to just get a, a view of the game and understand it. I'm running an actual play on there if people are interested in that. If you want to buy my stuff, um, the best place to kind of zero in on that is highlevelgames.ca. Yes, it's a Canadian company. I'm sorry. <laughs> but that is the best place to like find like, hey, this is the like the portal to all the like drive-through links and things like that. But you know, if you search my name on drive through RPG, you're going to find a bunch of stuff. Um, and there's lots of cool stuff out there. So um, actually it's hard make to sure, say, Hey, whatever, whatever this yeah. thing is. Uh, make sure to uh, definitely after this, send me the uh, link to your werewolf apocalypse. I'll definitely be putting that in the, uh, the link for this. And I'm definitely going to give that a listen to. For sure. uh, now I will say the first few episodes are rough. I was not skilled at podcasting <laughs> in those days. I think everybody's so that way. Pay everybody's that way i go back and listen to my episodes yeah like our first episodes were awesome (laughs) how many times did you say um in your first episode josh oh or either of you oh i I still say um all the time in my episode i just do i I do too (laughs) but not nearly as much like i went back and i listened and i'm like wow i said um a lot and i went to you know back when you know talk to my brother i'm like dude he's like "I, i that's not even the ones that I, those are the ones I left in because I got bored of taking them out. Really? It got so bad. I could actually see the sound pitch when I was going to say, um, and my 10 year old was sitting here beside you guys. You said, I'm there. You're going to say, I'm there. You're going to say, I'm there. Screw you. I'm uh, going to be super polite to my co-hosts and not name names, but uh, I am not the worst ummer on my podcast. I'll just say that. uh, Is it Lee Winika? I believe it's Lee Winika. I'm I'm not. I'm, I'm pleading the fifth. 
The absolute worst is when someone ums in between a word because you can't do anything with it, but you can see it. And then you're like, oh, I want to uh, stop. Oh, you think, or you get the long um, and you're just to get the um, and, like, oh. and you know, you're gonna have to edit that out later. And you're just like, hmm. Or you get something really good and they say, um, they do a long, a, um. big, like, a, a, a big breath. Like, yeah. uh, yeah, <laughs> like, that, like that's going to be great radio right there. Like that, 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 that three seconds of me breathing and umming. <laughs> so Mr. Newton, where can people find you? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, uh, we would love for you all to check out the tabletop journeys podcast. Lee Wanika and Glenn and I have so much fun doing that podcast. Uh, and, and you're a blast doing- to listen to. You really are. Uh, we uh, thank you very much. I appreciate that. We we have a blast doing it. Honestly, it is it's uh, it's more fun than we really legally should be able to have on a Thursday <laughs> night. So, um, uh, and uh, honestly, the the energy that Lewanika and Glenn bring to every episode, um, you know, uh, is is fantastic. And so, if you've enjoyed me, listen to Lewanika on New Ambitions a couple weeks ago, um, and then imagine someone that actually makes sense, and that's Glenn, kind of in between. Uh, is he the adults? Is he considered oh, he's the, absolutely adult. the adult? Oh yeah, absolutely. Because you've got Lee Wanika and I in like, like disagreeing in variant directions, uh, inevitably. And then Glenn is like this fantastic mediating influence <laughs> that is like, well, hold on, wait a minute. I don't want to disagree with either one of you, but Josh, you're wrong. You know, that's, uh, that's 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 uh, and and Glenn is amazing at that. Uh, he's he's fantastic. But yeah, we'd love for you to check us out. Tabletop Journeys. Uh, the best place to find us is at the website www.ttjourneys.com. Uh, you can also find us on any podcast aggregating service that you use if you type in tabletop journeys uh you'll find us and if you can't find us let us know um we'd also love for you to join the facebook group just uh, search for tabletop journeys you can join us there um or on twitter we are at tt journeys before i do my wrap up i just want you to know uh and i'm leaving this in uh lee Winika took three takes getting all of his shameless plugs in and <laughs> he didn't want me to tell you that and i was going oh no i'm snitching i'm snitching oh, yeah. he had to google all, right. all his info because i'm like all right oh, he hit, shameless sure plugs. He the google doc oh yeah he, oh, oh he he oh. was bad he failed oh, yeah. and i was like oh. wow that's how you guys roll in your podcast and he's like look i don't do it it's always josh no no see, this, this is why we have a canned exit now because we recorded it like six months ago and then we just played this because we you know otherwise it's like hold on hold on i got i gotta i gotta pull up the google doc. hold on hold on <laughs> I mean, I love you, Lee Winika. <laughs> uh, nothing but love. Uh, <laughs> obviously, love. if you've listened to our episode, our episode, you know he he's definitely family. You know, <laughs> oh, yeah. this is yeah. we're a family podcast. So we're all about yeah. the so Josh, uh, evil Josh. We did we we went on a tangent about Fast and Furious the entire mm-hmm. like pretty much through the entire episode. <laughs> so yeah. uh, we were we went on a, a Twitter spree of us just sending Vin Diesel pictures to each other and <laughs> talking about family. It was That's great. Awesome. <laughs> Uh, so let's go ahead and wrap this up as always please like subscribe and follow us wherever you listen to podcasts and if you are listening to us on audible and apple please remember to rate and review we're also on instagram and facebook so please like and follow us at dna pod and on twitter at nerd dna pod and on twitch at nerd dna podcast and this has been dads with nerdy ambitions uh we've been talking about larping i'm your host steve Pugh, and i've been joined today by the wonderful josh heath and josh newton 
Uh, thank you gentlemen so much for being on the podcast. I'd absolutely love to have you guys on again. Uh, and I'm definitely going to have to try to get Glenn on the podcast as well. So I can have the whole trifecta. I, you know, I'm exactly. collecting you guys like Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is great, Steve. Thanks so much for having me. Hey, thank you guys so much. This has been Dads with Nerdy Ambitions. Thank you and good night. <laughs>